Welcome to the Antioch Initiative Podcast, a podcast about the unreached and topics related to giving them access to the good news of Jesus. Hi, this is Nick with the Antioch Initiative Podcast, and today we have a special guest, Brian Webb, who serves in the islands of the Pacific. Brian, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Nick. Good to be here. And Brian, will you, you're an area director right now in Asia yeah. Pacific. Would you uh, describe your area where you serve? Sure. Yeah, the, uh, the Pacific is the largest mission field on Earth. So wow. it's about 60 million square miles. There you go. Uh, 40 million people, 23 nations, uh, 30,000 islands, and uh, over 1,000 different languages in the Pacific. Wow. So it, it's a fascinating place. You know, really we have... Uh, every ism in the religious spectrum. If you think about animism or nominalism, secularism, atheism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, uh, they're all found in Pacific Oceania. And our, our ministry context will vary from massive modern cities, think Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Auckland, to tiny jungle villages where the, the children of cannibals still fearfully worship ancestral spirits. So we have an incredibly diverse field. That's incredible. And as you as you know, we at the Antioch Initiative, we're always talking about the unreached and those who still need access to the gospel. And you have several different categories of people who would be considered unreached today. Uh, would you tell us about some of those categories? Sure. Well, you know, there is in the Pacific uh, the classically unreached. So we're, we're talking about uh, tribes or languages, people groups in which there has, uh, well, there's less than 5% or less than 2%, depending on which sure. uh, measuring stick you use, right. uh, Christian. But but actually, you know, in Asia Pacific, we use this nomenclature, never reached. Sure. And by never reached, we mean a people group in which there has never been a community of faith in all of history. Right. We have those. So scattered across Melanesia, which would be Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, we have languages, tribes, where there's never been a church of any kind. And uh, sure. that I, I guess I would say that is our priority. Sure. Uh, yeah, well, I've never had a church, and you were sharing, yeah, tribes that have never had a church among them. Yeah. And um, so many languages that obviously don't have the scripture. Yeah. Oh, my yet. word. Yeah. Yeah. And so what a great, I mean, a great need. And yeah. And then you also have, I mean, you know, you have the Hindus and you have the Buddhists and yeah. and the Muslims, which yeah. make up most of the world's unreached, but but not all of them. And, and, and you're you're saying you have, you know, you have those. Well, can you tell us some about those? Sure. I mean, you know, when you think of the, the Pacific, there's certain iconic uh, images that come to mind. Sure. So maybe you think of a, a Tongan rugby player or a Samoan NFL star, uh, or, or maybe you think <laughs> of of an Australian, a cosmopolitan Australian, or or maybe when you somebody says Pacific, you think of uh, hula dancers in in Tahiti. And you know the truth is we we have all of that. Sure. But we also have some forgotten people. So right. these are ethnic groups that until you have lived and worked in the Pacific, really seem out of place. Wow. So, you know, for example, there's more than 10,000 Thais in Auckland, New Zealand. Sure. There's more than 100,000 Nepalis. 
that live in Australia. Wow. Uh, over 300,000 Indians in Fiji. And so these these would be almost evenly split between Hindus and Muslims. And So you're the, saying about 150,000 Hindus yeah, yeah. in Fiji, about 150,000 yeah. Muslims. Slightly slightly more Hindus than Muslims. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but then almost a million Chinese uh, across the Pacific Basin. And these are primarily uh, Han Chinese, and they are primarily Buddhist in wow. their faith. Wow. Well, what are some of the things that you have been doing to reach out to these groups? Sure. Well, you know, different different groups require different strategies, sure. right? Uh, when you talk about our, our classically unreached tribes, so this is what people kind of envision sometimes when they think about missions, right? Right. Uh, back in the jungle, almost a Stone Age type lifestyle. Sure. Never had access to the gospel. Uh, we we do a, have a number of strategies. We you know we're looking for keys. Sure. How do we have permission to just be with these people? Sure. So um, sometimes that's medical. Mm-hmm. Take a team of doctors, nurses, dentists in for a two-week trip. Uh, in some tribes, we've we've gone as far as building a permanent medical clinic and staffing that with missionary personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's educational, mm-hmm. adult literacy classes, um, and then just starting primary schools. We have we have hundreds, if not thousands, of communities in Vanuatu that are massively underserved as sure. far as education is concerned. Sure. So uh, starting a primary school in, yeah. in these communities, um, clean water initiatives. Sure. You know, uh, it, we it's kind of a universal human need to have access to clean water. Uh, but working in partnership with Sawyer Water Filters, and then also we have a number of water well drilling rigs. Uh, we can we can be in communities providing clean water. All of these are things that improve the standard of living today. Right. And and that's a good thing. Sure. But our objective in doing that is to be in community with people. Sure. The longer I can rub shoulders with people, the better the relationships form, the greater opportunity I have to share Jesus Christ with them. And and then once that first person's made that decision, it opens a door really for you to begin to church plant in that uh, context. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, what are um, I mean, what are some of the barriers? I mean, some of the things that, you know, because we you, you know, the gospel has been around the, uh, many of the islands at all yeah. for some time. But what are yeah. some of the things that kind of hold back the gospel from, from spreading even on the islands? Sure. Well, you know, the island I live on is Puerto Santo, Holy Spirit Island, discovered by uh-huh. a, a Catholic uh, Portuguese explorer. You know, so it gave it a great name. Sure. Uh, and and the gospel has been present on Holy Spirit Island for over 200 years. Wow. Um, on that one island... We have more than a hundred languages spoken. It's a lot of languages. That is, it, well, it's considered to be the most linguistically dense place on Earth. Wow. And so, um, these these languages are there and have been preserved because of a pretty recent history of tribal warfare. Okay. Uh, say, pretty recent, like uh, in in the last ten years. Wow. Sort of thing. So. You, what you have is you'll have Christian tribes um, around the the coast. So you know it's almost like we we describe it as two worlds. You go you go to my island, you're gonna say, well, this is a pretty modern city. 
beautiful place, very touristy. Everybody I meet goes to church, right? You're not seeing them as, boy, they're from that tribe, they're that that tribe. But that's kind of like the behind the scene. Sure. That's the, what everybody else is seeing. The near, yeah. Yeah. And, and so then when you leave town and you begin to get some altitude, especially up sure. into the mountains and away from where there's road access, then you start coming into contact with other language groups. And, and there's just this history of animosity sure. between them. Um, I, I remember first going into some of the, the villages there in Espiritu Santo and, and having Bible school students with me. Yeah. And we would get close to the village and they'd say, missionary, we can't go there. I'd say, why? I'd say, they're bad people. Mm-hmm. I said, well, do they know about Jesus? No. I said, well. How do you expect them to be good? That's right. That, that <laughs> kind of explains why. And they're like, but no, they're bad people. We can't go there. So you have to push that, I mean, past there, that barrier of yeah. the, the, the tribal sure. conflict and animosity. And that's where a missionary can serve a very unique role. Sure. You know, some people would say, why do we need missionaries in a place that's overwhelmingly Christian? Right. Well, that's how a missionary can serve a unique role is where there's been a boundary, whether it's because of a, an ethnic difference or a tribal difference. Um, sure. The, the missionary can be that neutral person sure. that can cross that boundary without carrying baggage from. Sure, and conflicts. hopefully cast a vision for extending the kingdom there. Yeah, sure. Just even the fact that you're trying to encourage them to get there. Yeah. Uh, it's not on their radar. There's this prejudice. There's this blindness. There's this I don't know. Yeah. Um, racism, whatever it is, is keeping them from... Uh, it, it is it is all of that. It is human brokenness, right? Yeah. You know, when you when you talk about probably the largest unreached people group in the Pacific is the Chinese. Wow. And, and, the, and the, in the Pacific, the Chinese control the economy. Our Pacific cultures are not... Well, they're not well set up to be monetary. Okay. You know, it just the accumulation of capital is not something that Pacific cultures lend themselves to. Sure. The Chinese culture does. Right. And so uh, they control the economy. Well, this has created a hostility. Sure. Between the the locals and, and the Chinese, the the locals absolutely have to have Chinese in their country to efficiently run the businesses. Right. Yeah. That that sounds terrible, but but it, sure. it's really the the economic model that's developed. Uh, the Chinese, of course, are, are happy to be there and be a business, but but there's isn't this you know this hostility between the haves and the have-nots. Sure. And uh, and unfortunately, that creates a barrier. Wow. Uh, to the gospel as well, where it's kind of like this blind spot, and you say to the local church, "Hey, are there any unreached people in your community?" And they'll say, "No." And yet there's all these Chinese businessmen up sure. and down the road that that where there's no church. In that's right. They're not being a part of any fellowship. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's. And you said most of those are Buddhists from what you're saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You go in the shops, you know, and there's a little there's a little uh, Buddha and there's the red light. And this, wow. yeah. Wow. That's a well, it's it's it's. The largest mission field in the world. That's quite, you know, quite a. Statement. Well, we can only claim that <laughs> geographically, but, but yeah, we we got 60 million square miles. We are by far the biggest in the world. Yeah, well, that's amazing. Um, well, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about Fiji? You were saying that there's about half, you know, half the people that, well, about the Hindus and the and the, and the yeah, Muslims. you know, Fiji's a Fiji's a unique situation in that when it was a British colony, the the British grew sugarcane there. And they imported indentured labor 
from India okay. to work the sugarcane plantations. And the the promise was, you know, you will be repatriated to India. Well, the promise was never fulfilled. Wow. So the 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 country of Fiji is about 50% um, ethnic Fijian. Okay. And uh, I forget the exact terminology that, that they like to use there, but it's like Indo-Fijian or something along those lines. Okay. Um, and the ethnic Fijian population is overwhelmingly Christian. Hmm. It would be rare to meet a non-Christian Fijian. If you did, they were somebody who, who was educated abroad and became agnostic sure. uh, right. while they were being Body educated. Of, yeah. yeah, being educated in the West. Not yes, the, yeah. Or yeah. The, well, the West or the East. A lot of yeah. a lot of Pacific Islanders are educated in China. Okay. And so then okay. that. Yeah, I guess China would do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you get the same influence. Um, but the the Hindu or the Indian uh, community has really maintained its its identity as either being Hindu or Muslim, depending on where in India they came from. Sure. Uh, I, I was our missionary there, Mark Gardner, did an interview with a Hindu couple the other day, and it was over Zoom. I was able to watch the the interview. Yeah. And they completely identify being Hindu with being Indian. In other words, they can't imagine an Indian who's not either Hindu or Muslim. Well, that's what the uh, Prime Minister of India would say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. The Muslims in India don't don't think that way, but that's definitely uh, the the Muslims are a minority in India. But, wow, well, that's amazing. Uh, Well, can you share a story or two of some things God has been doing? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I don't know how much time we've got, but um, 19 years ago, one of the first treks that I did into an unreached uh, tribe was to a community called Nagurgum. Hmm. And uh, I thought I was gonna die getting there. We, we swam the river, the Aura River about 23 times. We climbed a couple of mountains and I am not athletic and I'm not built for that. I was like, God, why did you call a bookworm <laughs> to climb mountains? You know, this is not a good thing. Um, when we got there, I shared a very simple message and uh, a young man responded, his name is Graham. And he responded, said he wanted to put his faith in Christ. We we tried, I tried over and over to get a local uh, Nivanawatu pastor to go and serve in this community. But the challenge is just it's so hard to get there. Sure. Nobody wanted to leave their tribe right. and, and, and go somewhere that you have to hike for a couple of days right. and climb a couple of mountains uh, to even get there. And so we've struggled with, can we, can we see a church planted in this community? Um, about three years ago, I, I was reunited with Graham. I was, I was involved in a church plant in a, another community called Vatumbu, and it just happened Graham was there. And uh, our, our conversation restarted. Um, long story short, two weeks ago, my daughter sends me a picture of Graham. Wow. And uh, he he had come down from Nukurugum. He called the principal of our Bible training center and said, "I've given my life to God." You know, so he, he actually he he made a public confession of faith. He was baptized. He got married, which is always kind of like a big deal uh, yeah. in Vanuatu. And and he said, I, "I I'm ready to come to Bible school." So when the principal picked him up, he instructed him, "I want to go past the missionary's house." So we got to my house, my daughter's there, 
And he told my daughter, he said, I want you to take a picture of me and send it to your dad. Now he's standing there in his in his loincloth. You know, Graham's tribe, uh, the men would wear a loincloth mm-hmm. and, and the women would wear what's called leaf nangari, which is a vine around the waist. There's three leaves in the front, three leaves in the back, and it, and it covers nothing, right? But this is how they would dress. And, and, uh, and, and when a man is dressed that way in Vanuatu, it sends a signal. And the signal is, I'm not a Christian. Hmm. I'm I'm still uh, following the old religion. Yeah. And and Graham told my daughter said, take this picture of me. I want the missionary to see. This is the last day Graham will ever be dressed as a pagan. From this point forward, I'm following Jesus. Wow. And so to me, it's just a a huge breakthrough for him to be there. And now his wife and he are going to learn how to read and write. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to learn God's word, and they'll be able to plant a church in their own community. That is amazing. Praise God for that breakthrough. Uh, wonderful story. And I just want to I want to thank you for being with us today just to hear a little bit about, yeah, the islands, the largest geographical mission field in the world. That's amazing. I've never heard of that, but it makes sense. You have a huge area. We, and, you do. And the thing about Nick is it's so diverse. I mean, like, yeah. like it's, so, it's so isolated. So, you know, in the a lot of times people look at me and say, Brian, why are you asking for more missionaries? when the total population of your area is smaller than some cities in Asia, right? Why, sure. why do you need more missionaries? But the reality of the matter is the, the geographical isolation is sure. so intense that we have to have a, a larger team sure. per capita than in other parts of the world. And, and what, what grips me is the thousands of islands that to this day do not have an evangelical witness on them. Wow. Uh, you know, there may be a nominal church, right? But as far as a church that believes, you have to believe on Jesus Christ yeah. to be saved. There are thousands of islands and tens of thousands of communities. And I'm praying God will raise up a, a team of missionaries yeah. that will effectively plant the church across these islands. Amen. Yeah. Well, may God grant that, and may God, maybe some of our listeners today will say, yes, Lord, I want to be I want to be a part of that. And That's so if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach out to you? You know, brian.web at agmd.org is probably the, you know, via email. That's probably the easiest way. Sure. It's Brian with a Y. Web has two Bs. And, um, yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Well, again, thank you for being with us today. It's great talking with you. And may God give you even more fruit in your ministry as you move forward. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to another amazing episode of the Antioch Initiative podcast. We encourage you to follow us on whatever podcasting platforms you use the most. Feel free to check out our social medias to stay updated on all future content.